But we're now moving on to Danny and Cal representing the Atlanta Falcons. Danny, how are you? I am well, thank you very much. Very good. And Cal, how are you? Are you doing all good in the pandemic mania? Yeah, not too bad. I'm still working, so keeping busy still. That's all right then, mate. At least you've not got the furlough life driving you crazy like some of us have. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. So um, we'll crack on straight with the draft. Admittedly, a while ago, though, the draft was. um, Obviously, it was the best thing to happen for all of us during the pandemic because no sport on telly was so starved of sport. Draft was like, it felt like Glastonbury. It felt like everything was crazy and everyone was having a great time, even though no sport was actually being uh, being played. Um, So in the draft, obviously, you had six picks. Uh, Your first round pick, AJ Terrell at cornerback. Uh, second round pick in Marlon Davidson, the third uh, Matt Hennessy, uh, two fourth round picks in Mikhail Walker and Jalen Hawkins, and in the seventh Sterling Hofrichter. What a great name for a punter. Um, <laughs> four defensive players, one offensive uh, player, and one special teams player. Danny, how did you feel the draft went? For, for me, I think it went well. Um, I've heard a lot of negativity and read a lot of negativity rating us at C minus and things like that just because of the the names that we've brought in probably weren't the names of people that what everyone wanted but the actual positions i think were exactly what we needed in general so i think we filled the gaps that we we were looking for even though the the people that we brought in weren't what we were predicted you know in all the draft guest estimations and things like that but i think with our first three picks especially i think aj terrell people are taking him down a notch just because of the last game that he played in in the obviously in the uh let's uh, call it a bit of a battering. Um, but the rest of his season was bang on. Marlon Davidson's absolutely incredible, not just for his ability, but for more of his mindset that he's got. And I think that his mindset is what will make him a successful player in the NFL, not just like the skill set that he has. And then Matt Hennessy as well. I think I think those top three players are, are going to be playing for us from pretty early days, from a couple of weeks in. So I'll take it. I'm, I'm satisfied. Yeah, I think all three will probably be starters by week one or at least week two going into it. Um, When you look at the draft in correlation to last season, I mean, you're 23rd in total defensive stats, uh, 22nd in passing defense and 15th in rushing defense. Obviously, you've taken four defensive players in this draft. How how important was it that the Falcons picked more defensive players in this draft? Because it clearly is an area that you need to vastly improve on. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, It's I think it's very important, like you've just mentioned, a few stats then. Um, I'm thinking of one, we was we only had 28 sacks throughout the season, which was 31st out of 32 teams, which is Ouch. pretty <laughs> pretty bad. Um, we got six in one game against the Saints, um, but I think it I don't know exactly, but I think it was before our bye week. I think we, we might have been on like 10 sacks, which was like one a game, if that. So to do um, our defence was it needed to be improved we've got rid of a few players brought in the players we needed um so i think it's it's been an overall very good draft um like danny mentioned earlier uh like uh, sorry oops uh, so like danny mentioned earlier um it was what we needed every position we've sort of released a few players and we've got players in especially with uh michael walker as well uh, no jalen hawkins i'm gonna go with because um, he is a safety and our safeties are actually all out of contract next year. So a lot of people were slagging that that one off, like, oh, why do we need one? But I think it's more of a, a backup in case because we have three safeties at the moment that are all out of contract. You know, I think it's a it's a very good pick to actually have. But it's a, a good look into the future, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's one of them where, obviously, if, if our three main safeties now all leave at the end of the season, you've got to get another two or three safeties. At least we have one straight in place for at least three or four years. I'm not saying it's going to be... 
amazing or anything, but you never know. You can obviously get later picks that are very good at times. But, but overall, it's a, I think it was a great a great draft. Um, I think I ended up watching the first two days anyway, which was quite a lengthy process, but I enjoyed it. Oh, I, as a Steeler fan, I watched the whole of the first round until God knows what hour in the morning. My team didn't even pick. So at least, at least you had a first round pick to get excited about. But then again, oh, yeah. then again, speaking of safeties, I have Minka Fitzpatrick to be excited about. So, you know, um, AJ Terrell, uh, a good pick at cornerback, three years at Clemson, 101 total tackles, six intercept- interceptions and two forced fumbles. Um, I think with these draft picks, it was very important. Like one of you mentioned was to replace some of the guys that you lost. I mean, obviously, AJ Terrell is an immediate replacement for Desmond, Desmond Trufant, who um, has gone in free agency, as well as other players that you've lost in free agency. Like you said, with Marlon Davidson coming in, uh, Mikael Walker and Jalen Hawkins as well for that future where other players may go as well. Um, when you look at your losses and acquisitions, I mean, it's it's a very interesting off-season you had. I mean, a lot of big names really going in and out. I mean, out goes Devontae Freeman, Desmond Trufant, Vic Beasley, Adrian Claiborne, Austin Hooper, Devondre Campbell, Wes Schweitzer and Jack Crawford. You bring in Dante Fowler, Hayden Hurst, Todd Gurley, Laquan Treadwell and Charles Harris. Um you declined the fifth-year option with Tack McKinley and Charles Harris um, to, to then pick them up. So, obviously, they may not stick around after next season. Um, it seemed like the players that were leaving, you were then replacing them immediately, whether it be the draft or here as well. You know, you're losing linebackers, you bring in Dante Fowler, you know, Austin Hooper goes, you bring in Hayden Hurst, uh, Devontae Freeman goes in, Todd Gurley comes in. Maybe... Some would say upgrade, some would say maybe not, especially after last year of Austin Hooper, how well he played. Um, Danny, how do you feel uh, your team's losses and acquisitions have been this off-season? Like you were saying, there's been a, a lot of big movements for us, which is very unlike us. We've tried to be stable for the last few years, but with, with the two, seven and nine seasons, it's been hard to keep everyone in. Um, I'd probably go for Freeman first because that's... It's a weird one because he's been a good player, but he's only had like snippets of brilliance but everybody seems to associate him with being a top-class player, but he's never performed like to a ridiculously high standard for full seasons at a time. But he seems to have like a really, really massive fan base with us, and everybody seems to support him. But his wage didn't really match up. Like his wage request really didn't match up to the, the was it two touchdowns last year or something? Yeah, yeah two, two touchdowns and four receiving touchdowns. Which is just, I, I mean, it's not it's not horrendous things happen in up and down seasons, but compared to Todd Gurley, who had a poor season yet hit 12 touchdowns, even though he was below a thousand yards, but you, you're still getting a ridiculous output and bringing him in on a 4.5 mil contract, even though it is a year, it's a gamble. But I, I don't see how it's a gamble that we're not going to win if, if he's not brilliant, even if he performed as like poorly as some people say last season. For us, it's a higher quality than what we got last year, so it's irrelevant. Um, and then the other one, the one that hurt us the most, I think, was Hooper. We're pretty, we're reasonably new to the Falcons, and last year Hooper was like our our shining light. Oh, believe believe me, I drafted him in fantasy drafts in about the eighth round, and I oh, was man. I hit the money with Austin Hooper. He was so good to watch. I mean, I know he'd had he'd had good snippets of seasons and good like patches of form before, but last year, oh my god, it, it was like my, by far my favorite player. And I was just as soon as I saw that we were having disputes about <clears> not being able to get him because of cap space and stuff, I was absolutely wounded, but. Uh, but then you bring in Hurst, who, yeah, he's more unproven, but how do you know? You don't know what someone's going to perform like until he's given that proper ability. It was arguably Ravens' third choice running back yeah. at tight end. So, yeah, of course, was. you've not really got the... He's not really had the opportunity to show himself on the big stage. 
and Matt and we know we all know Matt Ryan loves these tight ends and stuff anyway. So they've already been working together, and he said he's probably. I think he said something like he's the best athlete that he's ever worked with, which obviously says nothing about his playing ability. <laughs> the option yet, but as in he's got his pace, he's got his power, and everything like that, which is a good. It's a nice little little taster of what we could have. So I'd take it. I'd, I know we've had a lot of big names go, but I think we've brought in people. As in, it was very very far pre-planned, which is good for us because I always had a fear that we'd get rid of loads of people and panic and quick fire and buy, bring people in that weren't really what we needed. But we've done the opposite. We've actually. I'll give Dimitrov his, uh, his credit on this one. Yeah, I, I think um, with the Freeman for Todd Gurley, I mean, like you said, people seem to think he's pretty good, Freeman, but he peaked in 2015, 2016. He was really good in them seasons, and it's just yeah. been poor ever since. His stats for last year in the end, like you mentioned, touchdowns, was 184 rushes for 656 yards, two touchdowns. He also got 59 receptions for 410 yards, four touchdowns, combined six touchdowns for a running back and under 1,000 yards and under yeah. 500 yards of, of receiving as well. It's not great. He's 28 as well. I think people seem to think he's younger than he is. He's 28. So, yeah. Bringing Todd Gurley, 25, um, obviously knee injury and the speculation of whether he is an elite running back anymore is still a massive talking point. I mean, last year, like you said, it might have seemed like an off year or that he wasn't that good last year, but 223 rushes, 857 yards, 12 touchdowns, 31 receptions for 207 yards and two touchdowns. So he's he's nearly he's nearly had half the receptions, and but equally got half yards compared to Freeman. So comparison for receiving they're pretty similar but on the ground admittedly you know Gurley's had what uh, 60 to 50 more rushes than Freeman has got at 200 yards but when two touchdowns to 12 touchdowns there is a problem there there is an obvious thing your rush offense was 30th in the league last year now Cal do you do you think that was a running back problem or was it an O-line problem because the, the offensive line was ranked by Pro Football Focus in, um, the, at the end of the 2019 season before the um, the playoffs. As they were ranked as 24th, so pretty low. Do, do you think that you needed that upgrade running back or maybe the focus should have been maybe of improving the offensive line? No, I think I think Gurley's a, a great addition to the team. I think that's what we needed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you mentioned Freeman got two touchdowns or two running touchdowns, which is not good enough at all, is it? Um, Gurley got, obviously, got 12. And I think... Even though he's got like the injury problem, it's I've heard like things like using him in the red zone more compared to using him on every single play or like a lot of plays to get him up the pitch. We all know what he's like in the red zone. He's got twelve touchdowns and only eight hundred and fifty seven yards last year. If he can just do what he does in the red zone, we'll, we're already in a better position than we, than we was last year without fail. Um, with the O line, I think. I think it was 90 summer sacks like Ryan got last year as well. So uh, not last year, in the last two years, which is obviously not good enough at all. Uh, with our two first round picks, uh, with one Lindstrom, he was only played two games, I think, and he got then he got injured. So I think with him coming back and being a starter, I think our whole line has to improve this year. Uh, also with our offensive coach with Kuwaita, it's his second year, so I feel like he might be more. Obviously, I know you get used to the team, etc. But with Gurley on his side, I think how can you go wrong with your running game? If his knee play, if his knee's fat, like holds off for the year, you you can't. He's got he's got the best one of the best weapons in the in the league with him. Um, if the O line protects Ryan and protects Gurley when he needs to, I don't think we can go wrong with it really. I don't think it's about well, it's one of the best signings. It's one of the we, me and Danny was actually speaking about it literally about two days before we signed. Was like oh, I'd love him, love him at the Falcons, and then we literally. Got him a day later. So I think it's a really it's a really underrated move. Like it's not yeah. being talked about enough. 
Uh, I, I, I admittedly hammered the nail in last year of I thought people shouldn't sleep on Todd Gurley. Like, I thought he would come back better than ever this year. And when we read the stats, 223 rushes, 857 yards, 12 touchdowns. That's a successful season. It just he's he's just not as explosive and as exciting. But do you, do you does it matter? It does it doesn't matter if he's winning you games and getting you yards. It, it it's all about that. It doesn't have to be flashy like he was. It just needs to be ground and pound and getting them touchdowns. And and but what they do need to do is to maintain him as best they can. Um, so that this knee injury um doesn't get aggravated um, or worsen for that matter, I suppose, with such a short lifespan on running back these days. Um, we'll, we'll talk about last season. So 2019 season. So you go seven and nine in the NFC South. Um, Saints run away with it yet again. Um, they, for me, they will again this year as well. I think the Saints are, they are on, they're a bit like the Steelers on their final push for the Super Bowl and then probably Breeze retires and then it's, it's going to be sort of a reset button, I reckon. Um, so you lose the opener against the Vikes then you beat the Eagles. Then go on a six game of losing streak from week three to week eight you have the bye week but you bounce back with back-to-back wins and um a convinc a very convincing win off the bye week against uh, the saints when you beat them 26 to 9 um which must have felt great after them lose that losing streak um you then get back-to-back losses unfortunately but then you close out season with a four-game win streak um you concede 25 plus points six times um which is, is is not a great stat, but it's not the worst, I suppose, in the league. However, you only scored, you, and but you also scored twenty plus points twelve times. So clearly, there was a this uh, this um, t- this franchise's thing that was going on was the offense was so on fire. You have people like Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, obviously Austin Hooper had fantastic gear. You're getting points on the board, but it feels like the defense is 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 not helping. It, the offense has to score more points because the defense isn't helping. Um, there was a lot of game of fine margins, admittedly. Seven and nine could have could have been a totally different matter if um, you beat the Eagles. Um, I mean, you lost to the Eagles. Sorry, twenty. Sorry, no, you beat the Eagles twenty four to twenty five four points. So that was a good win there. But you lose against the Colts, the Cardinals, and the Hawks. You lose to the Colts by three points, the Cards by a point, and the and the Seahawks seven points. Overall, you know, it, it seemed like when you won, you really won. But then when you lost, you really lost. It, it, there was no like middle ground, really. There was a couple of games by fine margins, but it, it seemed to be either or uh, rather than a fine balance. And um, Dan Quinn was on the hot seat for most of the season. Um, like we mentioned with the uh, running back situation, no running back rushed for over a thousand yards. But like we've also said, you get the breakout year of, of, of Austin Hooper, 75 receptions, 787 yards, six touchdowns. He's the sixth best in the league in yards for tight ends and joint fourth in touchdowns. So a bit of a shame to see him go, but a great season for him in Atlanta. Julio Jones is on fire yet again cement himself further that he's in the top top three or maybe the top wide receiver in the league at the moment 99 receptions 1394 yards six touchdowns um he was fifth in the nfl in receptions and second in yards uh fantasy paradise for that guy as well whoever had in my league last year because it certainly weren't me but a brilliant wide receiver and everyone now now knows you know everyone knows who jones is he's going to be a hall of famer after he finishes and he's going to be elite every year well obviously because it was our first Actually, season of being saying being a Falcon supporter, losing the first game, it is what it is, isn't it? Like you always lose one, but then you win the next one. You think, oh, bringing it back up—that's anything can happen. And then you go on a, a six uh, losing streak, which is obviously not very good at all. Um, even though it was still exciting, especially for being our first season, we still got excited in parts, especially the second half of the season. Uh, obviously, we made after the bye week, we made a lot of changes with 
backroom staff, etc., changing things about with the defensive coach, etc., which has obviously helped in the last in the second part of the season. Um, but overall, obviously, it's not it's not good enough, is it? Seven nine is twice in a row, especially coming back from the Super Bowl and then uh, was in the playoffs again the next year. So it's big improvements is needed. But overall, for being our first season, we can't. There were some exciting points which we both enjoyed watching. So obviously we're still getting into it, etc. But it's the like you said, it's like one of the games was against the Texans. We conceded fifty three, mm. which is an absolute hammering, and was actually leading at half time, which makes it worse. <laughs> it's one of them where you think, how can you lead at half time? Well, apart from our Super Bowl, everyone knows about that. But, <laughs> but leading so much, and then you lose by nineteen points, which is obviously a big gap. Um, but it, it is what it is. It's past now. Uh, we've made, like mentioned, good signings, and it's a big year for Dan Quinn. That's all I've got to say. A massive, <laughs> massive. I, I agree there, definitely. Um, Danny, what has happened? I know you said you are both quite new into supporting the Atlanta Falcons and new into the NFL. However, I suppose you've you know you've brushed up on your history a little bit, and you, I know you have a good feel for the game now. But what has happened since 2016? I mean, 11 and five, you go that season. And this wins versus losses since 2016 is just going backwards. I mean, you build from 2013 to 2016. So this is this is like the perfect thing for an NFL franchise. It's the slow build. You go four and twelve in 2013, six and ten in 2014, eight and eight in 2015, eleven and five 2016. Like that's great. Like that's a trajectory going upwards. And then when you get to that and you see how that's gone, you think, well, you know, we're probably going to plateau at this point. I wouldn't say your roster's changed that dramatically. Um, then 2017 you go ten and six. 2018 you go seven and nine. And then last year you go seven and nine now that trajectory seems to have peaked and now is falling back down what why is it going backwards to, to me i don't this sounds really bizarre but i don't know if it's a super bowl hangover and i know that sounds really bizarre because obviously the year following we got the playoffs again but every a team loses the super bowl every single season and you'll never hear about another team losing it again especially four years on or whatever but because of the manner in which we lost I think it's really hit deep with the squad. So even though a lot of the players that were in that final aren't there anymore, I think it's like become a part of the mindset of the team. And I, I, that's why I'm, where I'm a bit shaky on Dan Quinn, because I really, really, really like Dan Quinn as a man, as a man manager and everything. He seems unbelievable. But I don't know if if the Super Bowl loss is still linked with him in his mind and he's struggling to to come up with solutions to the problems that he has because... The two seven and nine seasons, yeah, we had a few injuries, but like you said, our roster wasn't massively, massively different. And if you've got a good, solid roster, then even if you have a few injuries, you should, in theory, have players to cover it. And nobody stepped up to the plate for the last two, definitely for the last two years. So I just think I think it's a bit drilled in our mindset at the moment and we need a bit of a refresh, which I'm hoping with the amount of new faces that we've brought in this year and Dan Quinn's had a bit of a shake-up of the coaching staff, I, I think... This is like a fresh start. This is all right. We're done with we're done with that. It's in the past. Leave everyone to talk about it because we, we used to be in the underdogs anyway. So it'll leave us as the underdogs and we'll just do our own thing, mind our own business. And then we'll talk after the match when teams don't know what's in. I think I think it's just that. It's so it's so strange because the only other Super Bowl I think of where it's like talked about but they lost it was the Seattle game where they should have ran it when they, they threw it and Malcolm Butler gets the interception against um, when, they, you know, with the Patriots. And yeah. and. That that seems to have dissipated from there, but it is still it is still just talked about as much as the Atlanta Super Bowl. I just I just find it very interesting that sort of like you said that like locker room mentality 
whether it be with the coaches or with the players, that they just can't get over the hump of that. I mean, it, it might say something about the comparison of people like Matt Ryan to Russell Wilson. And it also says a little bit to the factor of you might have the top receiver in the game, but it doesn't e- always equal wins. And it's a it's a team sport, not a star sport, which I think a lot of teams forget when they sign some of these players, especially when Cleveland signed Odell Beckham Jr. It was like, well, here we go. They're going to win everything. And, and so it's a little bit the same with having the Cardinals this year signing DeAndre Hopkins and a little bit with the Buffalo Bills with Stefan Diggs. However, I'm thoroughly in the camp that, that they needed a star receiver and that was that and the rest of their squad's fantastic. Um, yeah. They're my, they're my, uh, under, they're my, uh, oh, what's the word now? I completely lost the word. Dark horse. <laughs> dark. I wouldn't say dark horse. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like when I first thought about it, it was dark horse, and now it's becoming sure bet, which is right. dangerous. You shouldn't, you shouldn't deal with them at all in the NFL with sure bets. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of 2020 season, um, what are your aspirations, um, Danny, for next season? I mean, when you look at this division now, the, the big, the big thing obviously the biggest thing to hit the nfl tom brady has entered the division and the books now are the brands of last year the early favorites to win this division to win the super bowl which it could feasibly happen it would be a very romantic story having you know brady going there going to the super bowl the super bowl's at the book stadium the raymond james stadium i mean i wouldn't mind a patriots book super bowl with that happening that'd be incredible um (laughs) The Saints have got Breeze and still a great team. I mean, it, it, I think this is the final push for the Saints. I think the Breeze either retires this year or next year. So they're going to really go for it. The Panthers now have what, you know, Cam Newton has been great for the Panthers, but injuries have, have plagued him the last two years. They've had to have people come in. Um, Bridge, Teddy Bridgewater's gone there, a very, very good quarterback, very level-headed. It proved at the Saints that he's still got it. However, they have got a new coach in Matt Rule, which may play to your favour, especially with especially with the pandemic that's going on with Breeze, um, sorry, with Brady and Bridgewater being new quarterbacks there. However, um, have you seen, uh, when was it, last week, that Brady's actually been secretly getting like a load of them together and working out? And they've been doing I stuff. So. I believe so. I did read a little article on that but, with a few with a few dodgy photos. Uh, but yeah, but, well, uh, apparently as soon as helicopters were going uh, overhead, they would ju- they just like I don't know. In my mind, they're all like lined up, and then they hear helicopters, they just drop everything. They just like walk around the hands in the pockets, <laughs> whistling. But I'm sure that's not how it went down. But I know it's not actually really allowed in Florida just of yet. So you know, bad boy Tom Brady, he's changed a lot. This guy, this is I like the new Tom Brady. I, I like badass Brady rather than the guy we had in New England. Um, but more on, uh, we will talk about the Falcons, but more on the other teams in this division. The the offensive weapons that all these teams have is insane. I mean, Michael Thomas. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski returns, OJ Howard, Cameron Bray, Christian McCaffrey. Um, uh, see, uh, God, I've just completely gone blank again. Give me a second. <laughs> DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, um, Robbie Anderson now also um, entered the league with uh, joining the Panthers in the offseason. Um, this is a very, this might be the hardest division in football at the moment. So, Danny, every team wants to win the Super Bowl. What are the realistic aspirations for next season? Like you just said, I, to start with, I do think this division is probably, I know there's a little bit of bias in it, but it's probably the most competitive that there will be in terms of anyone could have it this year. I know that the Saints are probably a little step above, but I think there's so much quality in the other teams, including Panthers, that someone could pull it out of the bag. So, in my mind, with considering how hard our schedule is, I'd like a 10 and 6, pushing for either playoffs or a wild card spot at least. And I don't necessarily think that is what we will get, but I think it has to be for the sake of Dan Quinn and for the sake of some of the players that are there. 
I think we have to get the playoffs this season. No play if there's no playoffs, Dan Quinn's done and then we start again and we're back to square one with a new a new format and a new like system entirely. But I think a ten and six, even though our schedule is solid, is a pretty it's a pretty fair matchup. We looked through the roster uh, the schedule and I've gone through every single match and I've been completely unbiased and I genuinely think we can get that outcome. And I I'd take a wild card spot after the last two seasons, so Whatever, whether it's directly into the playoffs or a wild card spot, I'd take that. I think your schedule is incredibly hard. Now, I I do sit in the camp of uh, every game's hard in the NFL. Like I, I I get that completely. But you've got a tough start. I mean, Seahawks, Dallas Cowboys, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers. Are your first four games. That's a hard slog. Then after the bye week, week ten bye weeks, goodbye there as well. You then get the Saints, you get the Saints like back-to-back, you go Saints, Raiders, Saints. And then for, to close out the season, you go Bucks, Chiefs, Bucks. Like, I, I am massive on get the good teams early because you the worst thing you want in the world, you do not want in this to happen in the NFL, is you get the, the teams, that you know, before the season starts, that are really good anyway. Once they gain momentum, they tend, when the ball starts rolling, the ball tends to not stop. If the Saints are rolling by week, you know, from week three, let's say, Getting them week 11 and 13, that's a toughie there. And then again with the books, I mean, the only little pro you might have is say the books, say the crazy thing happens and the books run away with it, or the books and the Saints run away with it and they're fighting for the top. Um, or the books run away with it, like I said. That week 15 game is important, but maybe the week 17 game isn't important to the books, which may cement you in. Cal, if you don't perform this year, do, do, are you in agreement with Danny? Is this Dan Quinn's final season if, you, if this team doesn't perform? Oh, without a doubt. Like Danny's mentioned, I I like Dan Quinn a lot. Um, his his attitude to the game, yeah, his his celebrations. He's always his team man. I like the celebrations he does. He's just a great guy, basically. He's, he's also a community guy as well. But obviously, it's a result. It's a results business, isn't it? That's the problem. Uh, and it, I've said if we're not, I even said before the bye week, which we've got obviously we've got nine games before. I think we have to be on more wins and losses, without a doubt. If we're not, obviously with our schedule after the bye week, which is obviously, as you mentioned, solid. Uh, if we're not on more wins than losses, I think he could be gone by then. Because at least if we're quite close, it was like five losses to four wins. We could still have. Oh, really? You reckon, you reckon they might they might pull the trigger of mid-season? I think I, I've, always, I've heard rumours last year that Arthur Blank never would. But he, he came out and said, we have, to, we have to be in the playoffs this year. That's what he said. So if you're, if you're on like five losses and four wins by week 10 on our bye week you're not completely out of it there's no if you've been a new coach you know on the bye week and you pulled the first two wins and then you're six five straight away you never know what can happen after that uh, i wouldn't want it to obviously i want i want him to be here for the next 10 years winning games after games but it's it's a results business and if he's not if we're not in a playoff spot by the end of the year i think he will be definitely be gone without a doubt when you look at the numbers with me it's not actually i mean he's been head coach since 2015 so five years um, he's, he's had eight games. He's got a record of 43-37, which isn't bad. But like you said, let, let's say you go six and ten, uh, for example, or seven and nine. That that pretty much levels out at being, you know, about the same numbers yeah. there. You do you had two playoff runs, one being the Super Bowl, you lost to the Pats. Um, it, it's not bad reading, but it's just like we mentioned earlier. You you can't peak and then and then dive down this much. No. I mean, I know historically teams have done that. 
and you know people we look in the history books in Miami when they were dominant Steelers as well when they were dominant at some points you know I, I, I thoroughly believe the Patriots will drop off a little bit this year but not as much as people were making I don't think they're going to you know I think they'll win nine games but people seem to think they're going to win five games but they're still the Patriots you know teams are teams are expected to drop off but not not this dramatically and it doesn't seem to, you know like you said you have brought some good names in but you've lost a lot of names as well like it it's it, it, it doesn't my problem with someone like the falcons for example is i just don't feel like there's a direction i don't see the direction i feel like you go like well you know we've still got matt ryan good quarterback you know top 15 quarterback we've still got julio jones top wide receiver in the league that's pretty much okay it seems to rest on their laurels a little bit with that is that fair cal to say yeah i can see i can see why you're saying that definitely um Obviously, Matt, we like Matt Ryan a lot. Uh, we still think he's got uh, three or four years left in him, but like you mentioned, it's it is a results business. And I think with our salary cap every year, so I think we've got like ten million left. All right, so a few more signings before the end of this, before the start of the season. Maybe a few veterans would help, but I just I think if he goes, I think you will take. The, we might actually have to take a hit if he goes. We might be like two or three seasons with low wins again. But then re restarting. I think that's what's a bit like Panthers are now. I think I think they're in a rebuilding stage. So I think even if they went eight and eight, I think they'd be pretty happy with that. Uh, they've obviously got a new coach, got a new quarterback in, etc. But with us, I think it's it's make or break for them. I think. So yeah, I mean, I think you're completely right. Um, Falcons are twenty second in the cap space going to over the cap, so not loads of cap space to play with, like you said. I mean, when you're saying about getting someone out, you know, maybe signing someone else. I mean, if you look at someone like Jadavian Clowney, that'd be a lovely signing to go and get. But I don't think you have the money for that sort of guy. But the last final question that I'm going to ask both of you is: obviously, you've said uh, you are new Atlanta Falcons fans. So why did you choose the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> Do you want this one, Carl? I shall have it. You can do it. But you know it off by heart by now. (laughs) This this is the least romantic and least authentic story you'll ever hear. That's okay. uh, We were both pretty into NFL anyway, just casual, like watch your odd matches, watch the Super Bowls, things like that. So we had a a reasonable understanding, but not perfect. Um, And we wanted to get more involved. So we were like, who do we support? And because we've got no ties to anyone or anything like that, we didn't really know where to start. So we started doing the really, really cheesy online quizzes. (laughs) <laughs> you know, where it asks you think about your personality and, and those sort of things. And the same two teams kept cropping up, no matter what website we did them on and things like that. And the two teams were, weirdly enough, the Saints or the Falcons. Mm. I, I don't know how, don't ask. Um, so we started doing a bit of research about, like, the squads and the success they've had and the kind of how the clubs were run, the stadiums, the, the fan bases, you know, everything that you want to get, like, involved with when you really, like, adopt a team. Mm. Um, and... I, for whatever reason the Falcons just drew us in I think it's slightly being the underdogs because I'd rather I'd rather be with a team through hard times and like feel like I've earned the glory than walk into a team that like we could have easily supported the Patriots and just watched the Super Bowl win blah 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 and repeat but we wanted to like feel the progress of a team and I think the Falcons are that team to to base it on even though that our first full season with them wasn't wasn't exactly evidence of that but i think we're in it for the long term 
I like I love the commitment and don't worry it doesn't matter how you get into supporting any, any NFL team as long as you're, you're supporting a team or just supporting the sport is all that matters believe me my story isn't romantic either I just saw a video of a player I liked and and that was that I didn't realize that Steelers were like the Man United of of American football and were actually a massive dynasty and franchise was so successful which I'm very usually anti-establishment so I would have picked yeah. a very much an underdog but that was just the team that I went for I presume you're both from Manchester we are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good because Ben, who I've just had on with the Steelers, is, is well, I'm going to assume he's from Liverpool given the Scouts' accent. So, you know, <laughs> you both, all our guests tonight have been really very close to each other on the map, but yet apart and supporting totally different teams as well. Boys, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I hope you've had a good time. Where can we find all your stuff on social media? You can find anything on our Twitter at, at ATL Falcons UK, and we've got an Instagram with the same uh, at. And then, of course, the links to our podcast are on our Twitter page. So please give them a listen if you've if you've uh, got the time for us. <laughs> Smash it! No, I I've seen that your uh, fandom has has been going from strength to strength, and that's congratulations to you guys. The more people we can bring into the NFL community, and the more exposure we get, the, the better the game will be over here, and the more fun we have doing it. And I wish you all the best of luck with your podcast as well. I'll be sure to give it to a listen very soon. Again, thank you for coming on, guys, and I'm sure I'll speak to you in the season. No, you very much.